Alright, alright, we back. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here with me, and we appreciate that. So look here. We are them DMB boys. One half of the DMB boys is with you right now. Big Rods on the ones and twos. But I wanted to jump right into this podcast because this podcast right is a little little special right here. Cause we got a lot going on. Got a lot going on right now. First, we got the Lakers, we got Rondo, got the NFL, our Cowboys made a move. Guys, also I got some things I want to talk about. You know, with KC beating the Bengals has me wondering about some things. And of course the Lakers 0-3 start. So we just want to jump right into a couple of things real quick. Um, and then we also got some of the coaches that are already on the hot seat that are already on the hot seat already. And it's only three games into the NBA season, but we got already coaches that's more likely to not make it through or get fired after the end of this season. And today we're gonna to also talk about some of like we're gonna to try to end every podcast kind of with a with a tribute to the DMV and this, this one today is going to be about the uh, best basketball player to, in the DMV area okay but we're gonna to get to that last first let's jump right 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 into my Lakers his basketball is really getting started it's kicking off and of course we know the Lakers are 0-3 um, and then you know the big fight with Rondo Chris Paul and Chris Paul being the player president and Rondo and his relationship and how they're not really um, it's it doesn't work um, They've always, and Rondo made a statement today as far as saying, like, people always think, you know, but he's a, Chris Paul's such a good guy, but uh, he's a terrible teammate. Um, I think also Big Baby tweeted today saying that he's he's uh, team Rondo because he's played with both of them. He played with them, he played with them um, with CP3, with the Clippers, and then of course he played with Rondo with the Celtics when they made that great run and they won a championship there. And uh, he's, he's team, see, he's team Rondo. Now, when I looked at the video, you know, at first I was kind of like, you know, hey, you know, when CP3 like, hey, you spit on me, kind of, and and and, I, and when I saw that, I saw the video the first time, I didn't see that. But then when I looked at it, and they kept showing it, and they, there's so many videos out now where they get a lot more in detail with it, and you can kind of see it, and it still to me doesn't look intentional. Now, I'm not saying that Rondo was a squeaky clean guy, because we all know Rondo can be creepy, or he can be, you know, he can he can get under you, but that spit to me look more like a if I'm sweating and I happen to be somebody who happens to be really close to me and I kind of blow my cheeks up on my face and, and, and blow out with spit with my face being wet from sweat going out it looked more like a mist of the combination of the two not an actual loogie or spit that's just my take on it it didn't look like it was a real spit. So, you know, Rondo, of course, I think he got, what, three games. Brandon Ingram got four games. And then CP3 only got two games because they were saying that he was the recipient of it all and he had nothing to do with him and start anything. But I thought that maybe CP3 should have got the same amount of time as Rondo because he did stick his hand in his face and was pointing at him. And I know a lot of people say, well, he spit first. So, therefore, they gave him the right to do so. Um, yeah, you can look at it that way as well, but I'm just saying that from my perspective, I think they both should have got the same amount of time with Brandon Ingram getting four games because, but at one point after he had pushed Harden, he kind of like, I thought he was going to get into the fight with the ref. I didn't, I, I, he didn't go to James Harden. He kind of like went at the ref and like he was going to hit the ref. So I thought that, you know, should have gotten at least four games or maybe even five because it's like you kind of went to the ref and it's not the player so i just thought that um that could have been a really bad situation for brandon this early in the season being as though that um honestly on my lakers roster 
I would like to say that Brandon Ingram to me is the only one on that roster that is probably capable of consistently getting 20 points a game. And LeBron is definitely going to need him, you know, during the season because he's going to be a key player. Um, I like the way Jason Hart is playing so far. I think sometimes he gets a little bit sporadic and he's kind of, you know, he's kind of does some other things to try to force things, but then sometimes he makes some really good things and he doesn't. Um, with Lonzo Ball also coming back in after his surgery and having, you know, knee surgery and how he's been playing. I mean, his three-point shot is looking a lot better. He's going to get more opportunities to shoot that. I think Lonzo Ball could be easily a 15-point-a-night game person, 15-8-6 and six or whatever you want to call it, um, or 15-6-8. and eight. Anyway, for career-wise, um, I think Lonzo Ball is going to be a great talent. He just, you know, has to learn the NBA game. And what better person for everybody on that team to learn from LeBron James? Um, so, but the biggest thing is um, with the whole Rondo and the CP3 thing, man, the game was really hype. It was live. I know one thing that my Lakers will have to be able to, we have to get defensive stops. You know, with Kuzman and Lonzo, I see them as weak links because they really don't play defense that well, in my opinion. I think we need to get them to play some better defense. Um, and they need to work on that on that end. Um, LeBron James like made a statement today. He's like, hey, not too worried about it. We're 0-3. It's not the end of the world. It's it's still what 80. Uh, I want to say 81 games still left in the NBA season. So this is not a time to press the panic button. I know everybody likes to, especially you know fans. They like to have stuff. Oh, we should be 3-0. We got LeBron James. It's a work in progress. We got LeBron James for the next four years. There's been some reports I've seen people posting and saying how he's already slowing down. And, and, and that's just because, I'm going to tell you some things about some people's fanhood. It's very short, okay? And most fans are just, they're just short. They want everything to be, they want us to go 84 and 82 and 0. It's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen, okay? Some people's fanhood is too short to even remember. One minute they one fan, next minute they on another team. So um, that. Don't, don't worry about that. Don't take that too much into consideration. Um, hey, I'm going to die like a fan. And that's where I'm going to be. So, my, like I said, my thoughts, I think that they should have gotten it. 0-3, we're not in trouble. Um, not at all. So, I don't see the big deal right now. I just don't see it right now. And, you know, they're still figuring things out. I think um, Coach Luke, is um, Coach Walton is really trying to still put teams together and put things together. So that, um, you know, to try to get the best team out of there on the floor and, and his subs and who's doing what and at what time. And you got to remember, each team is different. So the strategy is going to be different depending on who's playing, who's bounding at that time and what is needed for us to get that win. Because we have a great finisher in LeBron James. So if we can get him the ball, he can finish. You know, of course, people will say, well, he missed those free throws at the end of the game this past time. And I'm like, hey, it happens. It happens. But he hits the big three that puts us in overtime. So, I mean, you, it's like you can't have your cake and eat it too, kind of, you know. So, yes, he would have made those free throws. Yes, we probably won the game. But then again, I'm still looking at the fact that we gave up 140-something points. So, we didn't get any defensive stops. So, I think that's a whole team collectively. We've got to play defense. We can't do run and gun. We can't run up and down the court and hope that they score. We give up 150 and we score 151. It's not going to happen. That's not the likelihood. We need to play some defense. So, now I'm going to change over, segue it over into the NFL. Let me jump back into basketball. But right now, I'm going to segue into the NFL. Um, I noticed, like, my Dallas Cowboys, you know, I don't want to make this a primary thing about the Lakers and Cowboys, but it's some of the biggest things that's going on in the news right now. Um, So, I just want to kind of talk about the trade for, what's that, Mr. Cooper. He used to play with the Raiders. He he had a great couple of years there for two years. He had some big numbers. The last couple of years, two years, he hasn't put up those type of numbers. Okay, so 
does he make our football team better is what I want to know. Is what I'm asking. And what I'm asking, I'm asking myself is this. He's a lot younger than Dez Bryant. Okay, he's what, 24 years old. Dez Bryant is like 30. I like Amari Cooper, but I also like Dez Bryant. And the reason why I like Dez Bryant because Dez Bryant has been there. He knows our system. He's been in-house for quite a while. It's almost as if, to me, I don't, like, Amari, I don't know. I haven't seen him enough because he plays for the Raiders, and I haven't watched enough Raiders games. But is he a better route runner? I don't know. But you also have to remember, I think Dez Bryant, people don't understand this, Dez Bryant had his worst years under Dak Prescott. Okay, so, therefore, I mean, it bounces out. Like, so, when he was under Romo, he was a high. He was getting 13.5 million. He was a, a franchise receiver. Not under Romo. Now he's out of the NFL. So his numbers decline each year under Dak Prescott. So I can't say that it's all on Dez Bryant because like I, I, I tell people this all the time, and I'll put this on wax. Tony Romo throws a better football than Dak Prescott. That is it. You can't tell me anything other than that. Tony Romo throws the ball with much more velocity and accuracy than Dak Prescott. Okay? You can tell because I, I think by watching the game this weekend against the Redskins, and I'm going to get into that, um, you can tell Tony Romo knows and understands football. He calls plays. Dak in that game, in two instances where Tony Romo highlighted, he missed two open receivers. Open receivers. I've been saying this for the last three years that Dak Prescott misses reads all the time. And I'm going to tell you the most reads he missed, he missed the ones with Dez Bryant. Because the ones with Dez Bryant, you have to be able to throw it through that window. You have to be able to make that throw. You have to be able to take a chance. Because sometimes when Tony Romo threw the ball to Dez, he knew that he could go get it. So he threw it where he could go get it. And that's called, that's with accuracy. And Dak doesn't trust himself. Because Dak doesn't even trust himself. After his safe read is taken away, what else is there? He goes through his one progression to me, in my opinion, and that's it. And then that's it. He still has to progress and grow. And this is my pers- this is just my opinion. Okay? I think that Dak is a long way from being where he needs to be at. But he's only in his third year. Now, you got to remember, everybody wants things to be a lot quicker. If Jerry Jones, I don't think Jerry Jones should pay him franchise money. No. He's not going to get $175 million. No. He's not going to get enough money like Aaron Rodgers and all those guys. No. I wouldn't pay him that. Matter of fact, I'd probably be looking for another quarterback. Okay, I probably would if I was the Dallas Cowboys. Because after him, who do we have? And I would bring somebody in that's going to really push him and compete for that starting position. All right. So with Amari Cooper, I don't think he makes us a whole much a better of a team because you got once again, we got to throw, get him the football. And can we get him the football? It's going to be what it's going to be. Do we get one first round draft pick? Okay. Well, I think like right now, if the draft was to be, we'd be like the 19th pick. So, hey, I'm with that. I mean, you know, if we gave him the 19th pick in, in the first round, that's fine. I mean, um, I don't know if he was really – I mean, we'll find out if it was worth it. We will because, I mean, we've done this with Roy Williams and we've done this before and it was a bust. So, um, we'll see how it goes. I mean, you have to take a chance. You have to throw it out there. I don't know. Maybe we could have brought Dez back, but I think that once Jerry and them are done with Dez, they're like they're done with it. So, um, hopefully Dez will just move on and, you know, and uh, you know realize that they're just not going to bring him back. Uh, I think they let him go for all the wrong reasons, saying that he was the problem. You know, when I don't think he was the problem. They just wanted to 
go ahead and say, okay, since, and I know they see these things, and I think a lot of these coordinators and stuff noticed when they watched this film, and it was like saying, you know, there's no way that Dak is going to be able to get Dez the ball. So we got to make it look like it's a problem and an issue. That's just my opinion. And so they let Dak go. I mean, they let Dez go and kept Dak and said, hey, we're going to get all these young guys around him to make him the leader. And because with Dez, he wasn't going to be the leader over Dez. He just wasn't going to be. Dez Bryant was the leader of the football team, and they wanted Dak to be the leader. So what they did was they eliminated, they did the process of elimination, so they eliminated Dez Bryant. Hence, my man Dez Bryant. Man, shouts out to my man Dez anyway. All right, so now what I'm going to go into, I'm going to keep, you know, stay still with football. I'm going to talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars, okay? Jacksonville was predicted to really go really high and, and compete this year and be a Super Bowl contending team. Uh-uh. Not with Blake Bortles. I think that time is up. It's gone. It's over with. You can't keep this guy on your team as a starting quarterback because you're going to lose your whole team. Okay? You're going to lose them. That is not going to go down like this. They're going to have to get rid of him. And I've heard I've, I've heard reports of, um, I think they had Paxton Lynch come in and work out um, to just, you know, to see where he is. But once again... It's a lot of patchwork to me. Everybody's putting these putting these patches in here and trying to. I'm just wondering when someone's going to pull the trigger on Colin Kaepernick. Pull the trigger on Colin Kaepernick because if you're trying to win and you want to win starting now, Colin Kaepernick is the guy to bring in because especially with a football team like that, he's a locker room guy. There's been a lot of reports before everything else before you know he was kneeling for the purpose. He is a great teammate. He makes a lot of plays. Remember, you got to remember he got the 49ers to the Super Bowl. He makes a lot of plays with his feet. He can make a lot of plays with his arm. He and besides, when you have a good defense, a great defense like Jacksonville has, all you need is a quarterback that's going to run the offense, not turn on the ball, get a defensive rest, and all those things I just said. Colin Kaepernick is capable of. Eric Reed is back. He's playing with the he's playing with the Panthers. Um, I don't see why Colin is not playing at this point, especially if you want to win. There's not a lot of quarterbacks on the board right now that you can tell me is better than Colin Kaepernick. Tell me one quarterback that's better than Colin Kaepernick that is not signed. I don't think there is one. And I don't think that you know that there is one. So if Jacksonville is going to continue to win, they're going to have to get rid of Blake Bortles to get him in, to get somebody in that's going to be a winner. Okay? Got to. That's just what's going to have to happen for in order for them to advance because once you lose a football team, that's it. That is it. And after the bye week, they got to make a move. Remember, they're on their bye, so they got to make a move. This will be a great opportunity for them to make that move and to go ahead and go ahead and say, hey, you know what? We're going to go with this with Colin Kaepernick or whoever they're going to bring in. Because I'm telling you right now, uh, Paxton Lynch, not going to work. All right. So after the uh, what was it Sunday night game, I watched the Kansas City and the Bengals play Kansas City game because you know I got my fantasy. So um, me and my wife we shared a fantasy thing, and so I was watching the fantasy because we were watching uh, Mr. Green, which had a pretty good game. He had like 15 points, even though they only put up 10 points, but he was he was doing his thing, and that's all I needed is my points. Everybody know that plays fantasy know about the points, but um, I've noticed kind of a trend here, and I'm gonna want to share this with everybody. You know, yeah, that's why I do these podcasts, why I do them live right here from the game room. You know, it's only one half of the DMV boys, but we coming. But um, I've noticed this trend in the NFL. And I don't know, maybe some of you have noticed it too as well. I've noticed 
It seems like the NFL is all about scoring now. There's no doubt about no defense, you know, because I'm looking at, and, and, I'm, and I'm saying is the play calling. Okay, it's a lot more passes being thrown. It's kind of like the NBA with the three-point shot, all right? So it's like, you know, nobody really wants to dunk the ball anymore. Everyone wants to shoot threes. You step behind the line, shoot a three, three. Threes have gotten real popular, okay? And Steph Curry changed the game with the three-point shot. We know Larry Bird shot the three back in back in that time, you know, but today the three-point shot is, like, better than anything in the NBA, okay? In my opinion. Like I said, everything is going to be telling you my opinion, all right? So... I'm noticing you getting calls on first down, second down, they're all passes. You know, back when I was watching, you know, you know years ago, um, you know, first down and second down was like running plays pretty much. It depends on how many yards you got off of first down. So then if you was if you were second and long, then you may get a fast pay on second down, pass play on second down. But more than likely, you was gonna run it on first down. You really wanted to try to keep yourself at uh second and short, so you would run again. And then maybe third down, you would have that pass, right? So, but now I notice goal line. You'll have the first two plays are throws, and then you might get a run play on the third one. But you might get three throws in a row. So I just wondering, like, I'm just wondering, seeing, you know, I'm seeing the transition change from to scoring. You got Drew Brees, you got Tom Brady, even Eli Manning, and them they threw Eli Manning and Mahoney threw for I think 778 yards combined. So that's like 399, 370 something a piece. So they're almost throwing 400 yard games. Because the game is just, it's all about that quarterback throwing and slinging, slinging and throwing. It's like West Coast in it. Everybody's West Coast and throwing, 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 throwing. And I've just noticed that trend in the, in the play calling. And I think that soon it'll go back possibly to the run game. I don't know. Because, I mean, it's like everything is kind of like trends. You know, like it's kind of like the NFL. I mean, excuse me, like the NBA. Everything is a hybrid. They want everybody to do what Kevin Durant can do. Everybody wants to be 6'8". There's really no true dominant center. Everything is up and down and it's fast. Okay, and I understand the athletes are different. They're a lot faster and a lot quicker than what the athletes used to be. Yes, they are. But I will say, the game has changed because the athletes have changed. So I'm just thinking maybe is the NFL going in that direction? I mean, you know, first of all, like, I think there are a lot of calls that defensive backs get that they don't get anymore they get like receivers get away with they're getting like calls like as soon as you touch them all oh, that's personal fouls personal foul. it's almost as if you want the receiver to catch the ball and then run okay and then like catch it and like so you can score it i know that you know a lot of people you know that scoring means it's a great game sometimes uh no because sometimes a great game is a smash mouth game where you might only have like 14 to 10 because you know why? Because it was some defense in the game, and there was some stops made. But it seems like that type of football has dissipated. Like it doesn't exist anymore. So everything is fast. Everything is scoring. Everything is bang bang. Everything is let's get up down the court. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And it sounds a lot like it plays a lot like the NBA. Um, a lot like the NBA. Okay. So um, I've just noticed that trend, and, and and I'm noticing it with the play calling and seeing how. Those things are changing hands, and um, but like I said, I'm still, I'm still like I'm still, you know, like I said, with the NFL and with the AFC, I'm still hoping to see Kansas City and New England in the AFC Championship game. I'm still a little bit open on the NFL in the East, but I'll come back with you on that and get you some stuff that I think that it could be, you know, I gotta let it play out just a little bit more um, in the NFC. Because, um, you know, matter of fact, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and try to look and take a look real quick right, as I look here. 
when I'm, I'm doing this podcast live with you guys all the time, keeping it live, funky, fresh. Um, I'm just gonna look at the NFC real quick, cause since we know, you know, we don't have no no statistician here, and I got to do all those things too, which is really cool. Um, uh, let's see, so I look it up real quick. So what I'm looking at right now, I'm looking at the NFC, and like I said, the NFC is so wide open that um, it's just really hard to tell. Cause I mean, you got you got the Redskins in first place at four and two. Okay, you got the Rams at seven and zero, so that's already kind of. But I still don't really have a lot of faith in the Rams, even though they're undefeated. I just don't see it. I still like Green Bay. I still think that they can do it. I mean, you still have the Saints there, which I don't think they'll be at the end either. Because, like I said, I don't know who's going to like Green Bay. Are we going to get who's going to play some defense? You can't count out the Vikings at four and two. Um, you, of course, I said the Rams at seven and zero. I mean, Seattle at three and three. I'm not really there. Long shot. I mean, then you got a surprise with the Redskins at four and two. Um, who knows if they can sneak in the back door and get in there and, and, and get a host of wild card. And then you got the Eagles still there at three or four. They're going through some things now. You know, I guess they're still kind of high off their, their Super Bowl win. And they're like, okay, well, we got a Super Bowl, so we're good. Maybe, possibly. You know, I don't know. But that, that seems like the behavior. But like I said, you got the Panthers down there at four and two as well. You know, so you got a lot of things going on there, ins and out, that um, you just – it's. It's still wide open in the East, but as of right now, you're looking at the ones he will be your Rams, and then it's possibly, you know, that could be one, like, you know, the second seed, the two seed might be your Vikings, it might be your Saints, which is looking like the Saints, and me seeing the Rams and the Saints play in the AFC Championship, uh, I would rather see, I, I mean, I, I always want to see Aaron Rodgers play, I always want to see, I'm a Cowboys fan, but I don't, you know, of course, you know, my bias is like seeing the Cowboys play in the NFC Championship, but I don't think we're going to get there. I think we could possibly be 500 this year. Or if we mess around and kind of run the table a little bit, maybe go 9-7 and win this and win our division and then kind of um, slide in and, and maybe host a game. Who knows if we, win our, if we win the NFC East, which is still not what we are in the division right now. What are we? We are. Let me see what we are in the division. Uh... One and one, we beat the Redskins. We lost to the Redskins and we beat the Giants. So what are we? One and one in the division. So we got the Eagles coming up next. So that's what it's looking like. Uh, you know, like I said, the division's still wide open. If we run the table, we beat everybody. At least we got to beat the Redskins. We have to. We beat the, if we can beat the Eagles twice and we beat the Giants twice, um, then maybe we could possibly and then you know get the Redskins. So we we'll see and then you know and see how we can finish that up if we can get that nine and seven spot. But right now it's looking like the Rams at seven and zero. Oh. And then you got your Saints at five and one. So um, I'm not really looking forward to that. I really like to see the. I mean, you know, the Panthers are still there. Um, I'm just reiterating some things here because I'm going over some stuff. Reiterating. So uh, don't forget about Kirk Cousins once again with the Minnesota Vikings. So um, you can't count them completely out yet. Now I'm going to go into and segue into talking about the. Um, so as we all know, you know, with the Lakers going back into the NBA a little bit, with the Lakers being out. Um, at 0-3, they've already come up with kind of a composite list of coaches that probably may lose their job at the end of this season, which I think is really early, which is super early. Um, but they have my guy, and I had to go into this, they have my guy, Luke Walton, listed as the first probable to be fired at the end of this season, especially after starting 0-3. This is what I mean by, like, people don't give things an opportunity to develop. I mean, you got, you got, this thing is just getting started. And he's already, 
on the hot seat. Okay, already. It's only on three. We don't have the nucleus together yet. Okay, and I've said this before. O and three is not the end of the world. It's just getting started. But everybody wants to start out. You get LeBron James, you think you're supposed to be going undefeated. It's not going to happen. So another list of co- coaches on here that I noticed that was like, you know, Tom Thibodeau, he's second. Billy Donovan um, and OKC is fourth. And then you got Tyrone Lue that's last at eighth with Cleveland. So um, I could really see maybe Tyrone Lue. But, I mean, I mean, who do they really have in Cleveland this year? Who? I mean, really. They don't, I mean, there's no one there, really. There's no one really there in Cleveland. So whatever he does to get that team possibly into the eighth seed of the playoff, I think it's a win-win. I think he should stay. I really do think he should stay. I mean, what else are you going to do? I mean, you don't really have a team. And if they make the playoffs, getting AC, which nobody has to make in the playoffs, that's a win. That's a win by far. A super-duper win. In my opinion. But then again, who am I? All right. So now I'm going to go into, uh, we're going to discuss and talk about, okay, so... You know, we them DMV boys, you know, we straight, strictly, straight, strictly, straight, straight, and strictly out of the DMV, okay? You know, D.C., Maryland, and Virginia, Northern Virginia, that is, all right? So, we've had we've had a great number of basketball players that's come through and that's from the DMV area um, that's playing. Like, we have current players such as Josh Hart, uh, Ty Lawson was just recently, Jared Jack was with the Knicks for a little while, Rudy Gay, um, of course, Kevin Durant. Marquez Fultz, you know, you still got uh, with Carmelo Anthony, um, a lot of great basketball players that some of y'all may know um, that came out, Muggsy Bogues, um, I'm just looking at a list of players here, and it's just, you know, Sam Cassell, for some of y'all don't know, Sam Cassell, uh, Walt Williams, um, and these are some of the players that I've also had a privilege of, of watching grow and develop, and, you know, you know Steve Francis. Um, it's just a plethora of players. I know that I'm going to get my uh, other half here, the DMV boys, to come in and maybe discuss what his is. But I'm going to say, with all of the greatest talent, uh, what was that Reggie Williams, Georgetown era? I mean, it's just, you know, it's a lot of players, guys. It's a lot of players. And, you know, it's hard to just narrow it down. It's hard to narrow it, narrow it down because there's so many great ball players. That's come out of that Maryland area. But, you know, I, I, it, I, I'm, I'm torn because it's more than just, to me, just basketball play. Okay. Um, okay, I'll use Walt Williams as an example. Me being a Maryland basketball fan, a University of Maryland fan in general, Walt Williams saved Maryland basketball, in my opinion. After Lynn Bias died, Walt Williams, he stayed. He could have left, but he stayed with him and Gary Williams. They rejuvenated Maryland basketball because when Bob Wade was there, he came up with some acquisition, giving kids rides, Rudy Archer, and it kind of was going back into that spill again where, okay, we just got rid of Coach Lefty Giselle, which I want to congratulate for making it to the Basketball Hall of Fame, Lefty, man. You're my guy. And if a lot of people don't know, but Lefty is the reason why uh, Midnight Madness is still going on today because he started it first. 74 years ago, I believe, or something like that. Something crazy like that. But um, 
and I could be wrong about the years, but he started at Midnight Madness. But it's been, like I said, it's been a lot of great basketball players, and I don't want you know, say hey, you know, he's always got to go with Maryland and pick his guys. And I know a lot of people that know me know who my guy is, and I'm just letting the world know who my guy is. And um, my guys gonna be number thirty-four. It'll be. A.K.A. Frosty, A.K.A. Lynn Bias. And the reason why I picked Lynn Bias, and yes, he never made it to the NBA. He got drafted first pick for the Boston Celtics, which would have been ridiculous back in 1986 for him to be playing with Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish. I mean, they were already a championship caliber team, but you had Lynn Bias. Game over. I think, in my perception, that Lynn Bias... Would have it wouldn't have been Michael Jordan, possibly. Okay, you might have been Michael Jordan, Lynn Bias, Michael Jordan, Lynn Bias, or Lynn Bias, Michael Jordan, Lynn Bias, or Michael Jordan. But they was going to be one and two or two and one, or however you want to look at it. All right, Lynn Bias to me played the game. I think from his jump shot, baseline, and his ability to create and. His jumping ability, to me, was seeing a, a like a LeBron James back in 1986, 6'8", a little smaller, because you know, of course, you know LeBron James is what 260. LeBron, I mean, I think Lenny was what 220 maybe, but just the physical physique, how he worked on his body, where he worked, he lift weights with the football team that senior year. Then by his came, he put on like 10 pounds. He was just, and, but he'd still be able to jump out the gym. His vertical was insane. Um, I've never seen anybody. He, he reminded me, his jump shot reminds me of uh, Kawhi Leonard's a little bit. Just the motion, the straight up and down, and the form, perfect. I mean, he, the way he would, he would, he would jump and like release from at the complete top. Where you're talking, I mean, he had like a what a forty something in vertical, so he was releasing like way up there, man. He was way up there high. Um, this is back doing when I was. What, 86? I was in middle school coming in, coming into high school. So I might be showing my age here a little bit, but oh man, when you talk about when you talk about an all-around basketball player, um, his his passing for me will always remember. It's kind of like some people before my when when uh, President Kennedy was shot. It had that magnitude for me growing up in Maryland and as a kid in Maryland. It was just that big. It was. I remember the day and I remember the morning because the first matter of fact, I remember because it was the first day of summer vacation and I went and got my mom went to work and I went and got in her bed because I heard her leave. She left the house. She went downstairs and she got out the door. I would go jump in her bed and I was like, I'm going to go to sleep. Plus she had the nice color TV and everything in her room. So I went in her room, went to sleep and I remember her calling me and telling me I need to turn on the TV. And I told her, I want to sleep in. She's like, no, you're going to want to turn on the TV. And you're going to call me back here at work once you do. Get up, turn on the TV. So, of course, I did. And on every channel, Maryland basketball star Lynn Bias has passed. Just after getting drafted, I was that completely woke me up. I remember running to the 7-Eleven right across the street from my house and going to get the newspaper with him on the cover, which I wish I still kept. Um, but I, it's gotten lost so long ago and I remember getting the paper and I remember watching it on TV and I remember 
they showed people on 95, like everybody was pulled over. There was no traffic going. People were outside their cars. They were walking around their cars. Like people don't understand how big Lynn Bias was to Maryland because everybody felt a part of Lynn Bias. I remember as a kid too, going to Langley, Langley two hairstylists, was it right there by the Lido's Pizza where we used to go get our haircuts and Lynn Bias and Keith Gallon team would come in there and get their haircuts. And Lynn Bias told some of the coolest stories about on the court that we couldn't hear because, you know, they weren't mic'd up back then. But he would tell us stuff how he was scared or how he did and they would joke each other and and the one thing I didn't like was because the barber would always say, you know, I get y'all after them and we could get there before them and they would still cut Lenny and them first. But I understand. It was cool to be able to hang out with those guys. Cause like when we were smaller, man, those guys were like what all of them were like six thirty, you know, coming in the barber shop. So but yep, I remember that language two hairstylists, man, and Limbias was just like when you when you saw that side of him, you know, every time he played out, we would always be like, Yeah, I man, we saw Lenny on Friday at the basket at the, at the barber shop. So when you when you saw him play, you kind of had you felt personally attached to him because I would see him in the barbershop periodically, not every Friday, but we see him periodically. We we, we would hope that maybe he'll come this day, you know, and come get his haircut. But um, yeah, man. So I have to go with Lim Bias. He was my he was someone that um, he's the reason why a lot of reasons why I didn't do a lot of things. Um, you know, so he probably. You know, saved a lot of kids' lives during that time. And I know a lot of people don't remember Lynn Bias, but if you get an opportunity, I'm hoping that this podcast reaches you where you can go ahead and look up Lynn Bias and um, take a look, man. He was a great basketball player, great basketball player. And he has a book, Gone Too Soon. Um, never to, no, I'm sorry. I'm tired. was Never Too Young to Die. And, um, and, and once again, like I said, you know, just gone way too soon. Um, still young, full of life. You know, at 22 years old, man. And, um, drugs man it, it, it'll get you it can and it will and it's for anybody that boys and girls don't don't get started and then don't open up that um don't open up that that can just leave it closed throw it away and um stay away from drugs once again you in the game room you with we are them dmv boys one half of the dmv boys but my partner will be coming in soon he gonna get we gonna get him in here um, first of all, I want to thank you for listening to this podcast again. Um, let me know how you feel about it. If you want to leave me a, leave a message, whatever, just let me know. Um, thank Once again, thank you. You can have been anywhere in the world, but you're here with me. And I'm going to let you know how we appreciate that. DMV boys, we appreciate you. DMV boys, DMV boys. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Good night.